welcome to episode 38 of I Went The Saints. I'm your host, Patrick Serlis. With me this afternoon, I've got Jack and Mainstone. Jack, how are you doing? Very well, thanks, Pat. Enjoyed that game? Very, very enjoyable. Mainstone, how are you? Yeah, very good. Thank you, mate. Very good. Well, thank you both for joining me. Uh, we are up to third in the table after a comprehensive 3-0 win over Sheffield United on Sunday afternoon. At the time of recording, we're actually third in the table uh, which is amazing. Leicester could leapfrog us with a win over Brighton later today. And you'll know whether they did that by now. Um, but either way, some achievement from, from Hassan all this season. Our seventh win of the campaign from just 12 games, 23 points on the board. Another clean sheet. That's five in total now this season. Goals for Shea Adams, Stuart Armstrong and Nathan Redmond off the bench. And to top it off, it was in front of Saints fans for the first time since March. Back in the stadium for the first time in 281 days since that 1-0 loss to Newcastle all that time ago. Feels like a lifetime ago now. 2,000 of you were at the game, the lucky ones who got to watch a pretty routine home win. Jack, let's start with you first of all. Overall assessment of the performance, 3-0 win. Um, Looking pretty good. Yeah, I mean, we did an episode a few weeks back, didn't we, comparing... Kuman to Pochettino to Ralph and the different type of football that's being played. And honestly, I'm watching Southampton at the moment and it's some of the most enjoyable football that I can remember. I know we've, we've been blessed with some great performances, but the way we are just so calm on the ball now, where previously these type of teams will come up and you know set up at St Mary's and we panic and we try and force things. We just seem to be so calm to play it along the back four, play it back to the keeper if needed and just wait for the opportunities. Um, I thought it was such, such a top performance against a very, very poor side. But um, yeah, to, to come out 3-0 win is just testament to the way we're playing at the moment. Absolutely. I mean, Sheffield United won point this season. They were awful. But I think Mainstone, we played well, didn't we? I mean, we, we, you can only beat what's in front of you and, and a 3-0 win is a 3-0 win. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's as good as a routine home performance, three points that you want, really, um, especially to welcome the fans back as well. It's nice to, nice to now um, completely take away the idea that the fans have anything to do with our bad home form before the lockdown, uh, which is a nice one to get out of the way. But yeah, really, really good performance. Um, strong throughout, I'd say, little dodgy five or ten minutes at the start of the second half, but we uh, got through it pressed again um, and yeah really really encouraging loving watching us play at the moment it's quality now so we've won four of our last six home games uh, now obviously you mentioned we struggled at home last season I think it took 14 home games to earn four wins last season and we've done it in six um, so yeah the fans back in the stadium it was great to see it sounded like on the coverage that I was watching they were making plenty of noise and they seemed to lift us at times as well and I don't know if you saw but at the end Ralph and the team went over and and did the cheers in front of the um, in front of the fans? And I've seen some quotes, and Ralph said he was getting a bit emotional at the end. Um, Jack, they, they definitely seemed seemed to make a difference, and it was great to see us play well in front of the supporters. Yeah, definitely. I mean, as you mentioned, the atmosphere sounded brilliant. They're all in the King, Kingsland, aren't they? And um, making great noise. And I think, as Mainstone mentioned, it's just great just to just to put that to bed about playing in front of the home fans because we've got great set of fans that are going to lift the players when needed. Um, yeah, it was just brilliant to see when Shea scored. I think that's his first goal in front of fans. Is that right? Yeah, all his goals were all his goals so far have been behind closed doors. 
Yeah, so I mean, it's a pretty mad stat thinking how long he's played for us. So that's his first goal in front of Saints fans. It was brilliant to see Theo get a great reception again. You know, he wasn't the standout player for me, but he needs another shout out for how well he's fit into this system. We had Gineppo and Redmond on the bench today and it just shows how much Ralph trusts him just to keep Theo in that starting eleven. And I thought he's brilliant at just travelling with the ball. Um, but yeah, such a good, such a good win. And mainstay, so Adams opened the scoring, poor defending from Sheffield United's point of view, but a decent striker's finished, the ball kind of a free kick from Will Prowse, bouncing off Bednarak's shoulder and then Adams just tucking it, tucking it away. That's eight goals for him in 18 now, his fourth of the season. How impressed were you by Adams' overall performance and that finish in particular? I think what's impressed me most at the moment um, is actually his all-round play. The the stuff that he's doing when he's dropping in and picking up the ball and his turn and um, release over the top, over the full-back's head is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, he's something that we probably didn't really see last season because he was lacking in confidence. Now he just seems to be growing and growing and growing by every game that goes by. Um, and he continues to add goal contributions um, very often, whether it be assists or goals. And I think his goal today kind of really sums him up in the box, doesn't it? He's a, he's a sharpshooter. He doesn't like to have too much time to think about finish. He, um, he's a poacher um, and, and that's what he's there to do. Absolutely. Now, it, it kind of looked to be set up as, as a frustrating uh, kind of typical team coming to St. Mary's, low down the table, setting up two banks of four and just trying to frustrate us. Now, to, to get a goal like that, almost out of nothing, I think settled us, um, which was great to see. And you mentioned players that are full of confidence. I don't think there'll be too many players uh, that are feeling better about themselves at the moment than Yannick Vestergaard. Nearly scored again from another corner in the first half. Some performance from him. Uh, stats can paint a picture. Um, well, they can. you can manipulate them to, to, to whichever kind of point of view that you're feeling. Um, but I just wanted to throw a few out there on Yannick today. Most 1v1 duels won. Most aerial duels won. 93% pass completion. A dominant performance from him again at the back. He just gets better and better every week, doesn't he, Jack? He does. And I saw someone put a tweet out saying, that imagine if we had sold him to Leicester and he was putting in these kind of performances, how devastated it would have been because... He's honestly been one of our standout players this season. So dominant defensively, but it's given us that assuredness to bring the ball out from the back. There was that one in the first half where did a bit of a fake shot and played Danny Ings with a bit of a reverse ball. Um, just moments like that, he's just adding that bit of quality that we have lacked in previous years. And yeah, attacking-wise, every single corner that Ward-Prowse or free kick that Ward-Prowse is whipping in just seems to be landing right on the money. So yeah, long may it continue because I think he's going to go on a bit of a run this season. I put this out on, on Twitter, I think it was last week or maybe the week before, but it was like, Vestergaard's ability on the ball is what I thought Jack Stevens could bring to the team with his ability on the ball. But Vestergaard has, has that um, that pass in his locker, that diagonal that unlocks defences, that defence-splitting pass that you, you mentioned today in the first half, that was, that was like watching a number 10. That vision to play Ings in there was superb. And obviously, he brings a defensive dominance to the game that Stevens just doesn't. So, um, really, really impressed with, with him today. And another one, Walker Peters as well. Uh, he's he's helped us so much in breaking down these teams that come to St Mary's and play super defensively. Um, 
Mainstone, what, what do you kind of make of, of Walker Peters in particular and a, and a word on Vestergaard as well? Um, yeah, go quickly go to Vestergaard first. Um, be really interesting to see people's thoughts um, over Twitter and that. But since the Burnley game he came in, I genuinely can't think of three or four better, more dominant centre-backs in the Premier League since that game. He's just been outstanding. Um, the ball play and his dominance in the air from defending set-pieces and attacking set-pieces, his physicality and his assurance on the ball as well was just unbelievable. It was such, such a, um, a good rise to see and a, good, a feel-good story as well because obviously there was difficult time last season for him and he's come in and just absolutely um, changed the defence with Benrack and Kyle Walker-Peters and Bertrand as well. Um, and moving on to Kyle Walker-Peters, really, really good again. Like Jay Adams, he seems to just be growing in confidence every single game. Um, I really enjoyed watching him today getting out of tricky situations with his dribbling. Um, <clears throat> really in tight, like he had two or three um, Sheffield United players and he almost beat the press single hand and then just played it on straight away. And I thought that was a really impressive side to his game. We probably haven't seen that much as of yet. Um, but yeah, really impressed again. Thought it was quality. Yeah, talk great... about Walker Peters all day. I, yeah. think, I think he's honestly been one of the mm. best signings that we've made in recent years. You can tell mm. that he's come from a club like Spurs that have played Champions League football because he's got that bit of quality that we've lacked before. You put something interesting out on Twitter, Pat, didn't you, about, about Walker Peters and how he's settled in at Southampton? Yeah, I... I, I, I kind of posed it as a question. I'd be interested to get both of your thoughts as well. But it seems that I can't think of too many players that benefited more from the pause in football in March um, than Walker Peters. And and it's benefited Southampton massively as well. Because if you think back to when we signed him in January on loan and, and it, we had that clause, at that time, it didn't look like we were going to, to trigger it. I mean, he, he came to us and he was carrying an injury, was struggling to get into the team, played against Burnley, did okay, but... It wasn't kind of a blow. Uh, it didn't blow anyone away with his performances. And then football got paused. Um, we went and went into lockdown due to COVID. He had a few months to learn Ralph's system. Got coached up by Ralph. And since returning from kind of during Project Restart, and since returning again this season, he just looks a completely different player to the one we saw in those first few months. So, so mainstay. I ask you. I don't think that. There's a, there's a player that's benefited more from it. And us as a club, we had that op- those extra months to get him in, um, to get him kind of settled into our system. We had the extra time to figure out, do we want to trigger this, um, this clause? A- and extra time, those final nine games of the season was really a big audition for him. And he passed it, we signed him, and now he's absolutely hit the ground running this season. He looks like he's been playing for us for a number of years, doesn't it? No, I, I can't. It feels like it's weird to not have him in our right back slot already, and he's only been here half a year or so. Um, that's just a, a credit to himself, really. Um, I really like the whole transfer in itself. I think it's very rare this day and age to get a transfer that works out for both parties as well as this Hoiberg, um, Carl Walker Peters deal actually ended up. I mean, we, Romeo's come in for Hoiberg and done exceptionally well. And we've got a right back what we were desperately crying out for who's, I mean, it's a shame that there's so many good English right backs at the moment, because if there wasn't, he would definitely be knocking on the door. Mm. Yeah. yeah I think one point, sorry, Pat, one point just to back that up, that Newcastle game where we lost one nil the last game before the season finished, it was Jan Valerie at right back and Walker mm-hmm. Peters on the bench, which just, you know, solidifies your point that he hadn't really made much of an impression and he was carrying a few injuries. So, yeah, definitely 
benefited hugely from that break. Yeah, it gave him time to get fit and, and to learn the system. And, and since then, I mean, he's been one of our best players. So um, really fortunate, I think, from Southampton's point of view to have that extra time and to make the decision to sign him. Uh, and now, yeah, he's, he's one of our best players. I did want to say there's a great article in The Guardian on Walker Peters that I'd recommend anyone check out. And it's an interview with him. Um, talks about his low moment uh, at the new Camp playing for Spurs when he gave the ball away and Dembele scored and, and how that kind of changed his mentality as a defender from one that when he'd make a mistake, he'd kind of be thinking about it for the rest of the game. Whereas now, if he does make a mistake, and, and they've been few and far between at, at Southampton, but that he's thinking about how can he make up for it and, and his kind of positive mentality. And you really do see that, him playing at St. Mary's mm. now. It's, it's all about positive. It's all about going forward, taking players on. You also, I also learned that he, he was a winger up until he was 16. So you can really see that. And he adds so much to our game from an attacking sense. Um, he also, interestingly, he also mentions that, that he feels he'd do a very, very good job at left-back as well, which I think has, has played into Ralph's decision-making at times. Obviously, we saw Stevens at left-back that one time, but in a pinch, Walker-Peters could play there, or at least he certainly seems to think so. First half dominance. I did, just wanted to mention this stat that, that came across on BBC. Sheffield United attempted just 74 passes in the first half against us today. Now, that's the fewest by a team in the first half of Premier League football since 2007. Wow. I mean, they, they attempted just 74 passes. That's how dominant we were in that first half, which, which is ridiculous, really. I mean, the second half, I think someone's already mentioned it, we started a little bit sloppily. And, I mean, Jack, did, were, you, were you thinking that, okay, here we go, they, they could nick a goal here and all of a sudden it's one all? I mean, they had a couple half chances in the first half. I think Sanderberg had a good chance with the ball flashed across the box. Um, and then he also had a decent chance to pick Ollie McBurney out, but it was a really bad cross. So there was a couple warning signs there. And then in the second half, I remember a header from John Egan from a corner, which you know probably should have done a lot better. He got too much on it, went over the crossbar. So it was one of them games where whilst we were so dominant, it's it, you're playing against a huge Sheffield United team that can you know do you with any kind of cross. If they exposed Walker Peters and got McBurney on him, they could have scored. But... Yeah, I mean, I was—I definitely was shocked to see how poor they were on the ball. Like that stat doesn't surprise me. I was watching that first half and I couldn't even remember them get on the ball at all. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of people are saying that you know they can't compete. Sheffield United can't compete in the Premier League with the financial you know limitations that they have. But twenty-three million on Aaron Ramsdale and almost twenty million on Rian Brewster, who's not starting. He's not starting, and you've got Billy Sharp and McBurney starting. Something's going wrong with the recruitment there. You you can spend money a little bit wiser than that and improve your team, but it's just, yeah, they look doomed, don't they? One point from twelve games. They do. I mean, fourteen defeats from their last fifteen. I mean, that's just crazy. And as you said, David McGoldrick, Ollie McBurney, and Billy Sharp all getting on the pitch before Brewster, who's your summer signing at best part of twenty million pounds. How is Phil Jagielka still getting the game as well? He's 38. He's 38. I mean, it's desperate times for Sheffield United. One point um, from 12 games. They are in big, big trouble. And there's there's a few teams in the division this season, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield United, that you just, you can't see anyone else. I can't see anyone else going down, really. These teams are just absolutely dreadful. Um, No team in the Premier League has had so few points at this stage of the season and gone on to avoid relegation. So they've got, Chris Wilder's got a massive, massive job on his hands there. Now, we kind of 
we saw out that that second half, a little bit of pressure from Sheffield United, not really much, but then we grabbed that second goal. Interesting quote from Ralph after the game saying that Sheffield United sat very deep and we've typically struggled against teams like that. But you can see now that we have more quality and that leads to more opportunities. And it really felt like the first bit of quality that we showed in the second half, we carved them open, bit of play from Romeo into wings and then onto Armstrong. Slightly fortunate with the goal and the deflection, wrong foot in Ramsdale. Um, but that's 2-0. And at that point, Mainstone, you're thinking game over, aren't you? Yeah, especially the, with the way that Sheffield United were um, playing in the after that little 10-minute spell in the second half. They just seemed to all of a sudden just die off of it again. Um, and it, I was watching it and I was watching it with my um, my dad and he said it a really good point. He was like, they don't look like they're 2-0 down. They weren't throwing bodies at crosses or anything like that. And I think we probably gained confidence from that, got the second goal and then that's you're starting to back us now in those situations to almost shut up shop um, because we, we can do that. It's interesting to, again, like you said, the um, in the first half, the passes that they made. Um, and I think that's a huge credit to us as well because the way that we're so patient in build-up now, we almost don't go gung-ho. Um, it's just waiting for the right moment. It's happy to happy to keep the ball around the back and then we win it back really, really quickly when we do lose it. Um, but yeah, as soon as that Armstrong deflected goal went in, I was, I was quite happy in saying that that's it three points in the bag yeah I mean that's the big difference isn't it from last season when we were struggling to win at home versus this season it's just before the passes at the back felt aimless and it felt like we were keeping possession for the sake of it whereas now we've got so much more cutting edge going forward the passes are a lot more incisive we we go forward much more quickly with a lot more energy and that's why we're winning games 3-0 against teams down towards the bottom of the table and while we've beaten West Brom and Newcastle where in the past, we might have struggled in home games against them. We were just a lot more aggressive going forward, and it's paying off. Um, I wanted to have a quick word on Nathan Redmond as well, because, Jack, you mentioned we had Gineppo and Redmond on the bench, which is looking strong now with Ings fully fit and starting today. Redmond coming off the bench and making an impact. Um, he ended a run of 14 Premier League goals, sorry, 14 Premier League games without a goal, scoring with about 10 minutes left, making it 3-0. And the commentator on NBC here said, you do wonder why he doesn't do that more often because it was a lovely move, a little one-two with Romeo and then put to the bottom corner. He's got so much quality. You do wonder why doesn't Redmond do that more often? And I think fans are crying out for that because he does have that, that ability. But it's nice for us to be able to bring him off the bench and for, for him to do that. Um, where do you think that leaves him, Jack, um, in terms of the squad's pecking order? I think what that commentator said sums up his, his career at Southampton. He's one of those players that uh, opposition fans see on match of the day, score a screamer every now and then and go, wow, what a player. But then when you're a Southampton fan, you see him a little bit more inconsistent and it is frustrating. But in terms of pecking order, um, I don't think uh, either Armstrong or Walcott should be dropped. Obviously, we've got quite a few busy, we've got a busy period coming up with Arsenal midweek um, and then Man City. But if players are fit, I think... Um, I would play Armstrong and Walcott and then Redmond's probably the first option off the bench. But it's very close with Gineppo because Gineppo has also been brilliant in the last few weeks or very decent in the last few weeks. But um, Redmond's goal today, great little pass from Romeo who, by the way, didn't get booked. He's one booking off, uh, he's one booking off um, <laughs> miss, missing the next game, which is another positive because we need him desperately. Um, but yeah, so good from Redmond. He's got that quality, hasn't he? That bit of um, composure just to find the bottom corner. It's a great goal. Mainstone, do you agree with that then for you? Is it is it kind of Armstrong, Walcott? They've solidified themselves as the starters. And then it's, I guess it's a great position to be in, to have two 
two quality options in Gineppo and Redmond off the bench. Yeah, I think so. And I actually think long-term it might actually end up suiting Redmond a little bit better in terms of his output in games. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's a very good impact player. I think when he has more time on the pitch, you start to see those inconsistencies a little bit more obviously. I think when you're impacting, you're coming on with 15, 20 minutes to go. The other team are a little bit tired and a little bit leggy. Um, And he's going to have a little bit more of an opportunity, an open opportunity anyway, to try and find the back of the net or get an assist. So yeah, I think think it'll be a good role for him. Um, And yeah, Walcott and Armstrong, I think, are now and now the, the starting two attacking midfielders. Um, all credit to Walcott as well, to, to what a piece of business that has been. I mean, if you'd have told us a week before he signed that we would sign him in, in the first place and then he would take a starting spot in the eleven for most weeks um, and we would be happy with it and agree with it, then like we would have been like, it's very random. But fair play to him, <laughs> he's looking really good. Um, and fair play to Ralph as well because he's seen it he normally takes a long time for people to come in and get used to his system but from day one it just seems like it's just worked and um, yeah really happy with it I mean it's a good point actually because just thinking of what we discussed about Vestergaard what we discussed about Walker Peters as well and and Che Adams like all, all of those signings took a period of months to to settle into the team and now you look at Salasu and Diallo that again because we're playing so well we have that luxury of easing them into the team that maybe some of the other players like Che and Vestergaard didn't really have that luxury that last season until they weren't really playing well and got dropped. Um, now we don't really have to thrust Salasu and Diallo in there because because we're looking good. Um, but it's a credit to Walcott, as you say, that he's been able to come in and just slot straight in there and, and produce performances where he's really contributing um, well to our team performance. Did want to have a word on Danny Ings. He returned to the starting lineup for the first time um, since his knee injury, obviously came on against Brighton and scored the winning penalty. Started today. Jack, what did you make of his performance? Uh, not one of his best. He was he was um, decent, but like you said, a little bit rusty in certain instances. There was one near the end where he tried to square it to, to Walcott, where he's definitely a, a, a fully confident, um, informed Danny Ings just gets his head down and puts that in the bottom corner. But um, yeah, he had a few, couple chances today. Um yeah, not a bad performance. There was a bit of quality there, but I think there's a. it's exciting to see that we're still winning games comfortably and we've got players like Adams and Walcott and Armstrong contributing and we're not so heavily reliant on Danny Ings playing a 10 out of 10 like he was bailing us out a lot of games last season. So, you know, I'm positive because he's, he's going to hit that form again. Um, it's just a matter of time. That partnership looking good to you, Mainstone? Ings and, Ings and Adams back. I mean, as Jack said, there was a few opportunities for Ings to get on the score sheet, but that partnership, as far as I'm concerned, looked, looked like they picked up where they left off. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I mean, we said it a while back um, when Adams was struggling a little bit and we were crying out for someone to help Ings um, in terms of getting us out of trouble and scoring goals. And now that we've got that, um, maybe it might detriment on Ings not scoring just as many goals as he did last season. But let's be honest, it's going to be very hard for him to do that every season anyway. Um, mm. So I think it's really good. I think, yeah, just getting back to the rubble of the green today. Um, nothing too much to read into about it, I don't think. I think mm. I quite like the fact that he actually tried to play in Walcott for that goal right at the end. Mm. I thought if, if you were thinking of a goal, it was a good chance. A real selfish striker might, like you say, have just put a head down and tried to lace it, even if it had been an off day for him. But he was team first. Walcott was in a better position than he was and he tried. It just didn't, didn't work out, unfortunately. So almost one, one third of the way through the season, 
we've lost one game in our last 10, uh, one defeat in our last two months, and that was when we were 2-0 up against Man United and really should have taken something from that game, whether that was three points or one point. So if you're looking at the table now, third, what is our ambition? We have 23 points on the board at the moment. Only um, once in the Premier League have we had more points than at this stage of the season, and that was in 14-15 under Komen. We ended up finishing seventh that season and getting 60 points in total. Jack, if you're sitting in the coaching uh, room at Staplewood on Monday morning and Ralph's in there, what are you thinking in terms of our points tally this season um, and position-wise? I'm thinking we are well and truly in this title race. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean, to get 23 points at this stage of the season, um, what I love about those last two games, going away to Brighton and Sheffield United, six points from those two games takes a little bit of pressure off. We've got Arsenal and Man City coming up next. And I think we go to the Emirates, they're in a bit of poor form, we get a result. And then Man City again, a bit of poor form, we can definitely cause them problems I think the the realistic ambition has to be a top 10 um, spot that's progress from last season but I think we need to be aiming for Europa League spot this season I think we've we keep players fit and you know players continue performing how they are at the moment I don't see there's you know anything to suggest that we couldn't do that I think a big test will be West Ham Um, I think we've got them so we've got Arsenal, Man City, Fulham and West Ham. They're having a very good season and they're probably aiming for a similar kind of finish than Southampton. So when we play them at the end of December, that'll be a, quite a big barometer, I think, to how, who we can compete against this season. I mean, it's been a weird, weird season and there's some, been some really crazy results. I just think back to the Villa beating Wolves. Um, obviously, Wolves will be up there competing for a Europa League space. Villa going to Molyneux and, and winning there. I think you're right. West Ham will be a big barometer. Mainstone, what are you thinking as we look ahead to Wednesday? Arsenal a bit all over the place at the moment. And we go to the Emirates um, off the back of a couple of wins. We should be thinking of at least a point, if not three, I think, no? Yeah, definitely. And I think that that really sums up the position that the club are in at the moment. I'm no longer looking at those sorts of games and thinking, or oh, 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 like, are we maybe going to scratch a point if we're a little bit lucky? Now I'm actually confident and really looking forward to watching the game because I know mm. that we can give any team in this league a run for their money on our day. Um, and I think in terms of league position, I think they're secretly probably hoping for Europa League. I think that's the high ambition that we've got this season I think I think like you said Pat with the season being strange as it is already I don't think it's completely out of the realms of possibility obviously it's a very big jump from where we were last season so if we come a little bit short we've still made extremely good progress Um, but I think they're probably sitting back looking at it and thinking they can get it this season if they keep this up definitely It's just wild to think back to those first two games of the season and like how we felt after that Spurs game Mm. when we'd shipped five (laughs) (laughs) Um, and to be in this position now is just a massive massive credit um, to the coaching staff and to the team as we mentioned we're at Arsenal next on Wednesday then we're hosting Man City on the 19th Jack Mainstone thank you both very much for joining me thank you to all the listeners for listening Um, and yeah we'll, we'll catch up next week nice one lads speak to you then thanks guys up the Saints Thank you.